Last week I um, preached a message uh, that I felt like I needed to preach to start the year. Um, I believe that that God has, has placed on my heart that, that this year he wants to fulfill his plans. That this is a year of fulfillment. It's a year of salvation. It's a year where God wants to do, he wants to accomplish something. That's what I believe in my heart. That's what's stirring in my spirit. And so as a pastor, I felt like we had to talk about fasting before we got into um, the other series that God's, God has placed on my heart. And honestly, uh, this is candid Pastor Steve. Um, I kind of was concerned, you know, um, if I picked out a list of the 10 most inspiring sermons, or if you went to like Google and you typed in the 10 most inspiring topics for sermons in 2021, I don't think fasting is going to come on that list. Just don't think it's going to be the one that's right up there at the top. And so as a pastor, you know, uh, sometimes you have expectation or anticipation, and sometimes you're just like, I don't know how this is going to go, but... I was so compelled and encouraged in my spirit at the response of the body of Christ to the call to fast. That just the, the, the way I thought it would might be just one of those ones where we said, hallelujah, amen, let's go home. And the stirring that God caused in our hearts and in what he's doing, believing that, that that's just the precedent. It's just the, the reality of what is to come. And I'll say as a pastor, I mean, this week has been a busy week. There's a lot going on, and I'm not talking about in Washington, D.C. right now. I mean, I'm not talking about Thursday morning when the roofer showed up and ripped off half my roof. But there's a lot going on in the body of Christ, and, and I've been so encouraged this week in, in conversations with different people about what God is stirring and what God is, is doing in their lives. There's, there's, there's something happening right now in the body of Christ, and I'm excited. And I don't know if you feel it, I don't know if you've sensed it, But in my heart, as a pastor, I know that God is doing something in in the body of Christ, at least in Crawford, Nebraska. And that's what I'm worried about right now. I'm worried about what God is doing in us and through us. And and there's there's an excitement that's inside of me for the things that God desires to accomplish, for the things that he's doing, for the, the, the fires, excuse me, that he's, he's starting in people. And I'm excited to see God's fulfillment. As a church, we're here to love God, to love people, and make an impact in our world. I'm excited about a body of Christ that is loving God wholeheartedly, loving people like Jesus, and impacting the world with the love of Christ. I can't wait to see what the fulfillment of that looks like in our body, in our lives, in my home, and in your home. And so if I truly believe, which I do, that this is the moment we're in, If I truly believe that God is speaking fulfillment of purpose. If I truly believe that God has a plan that he desires to bring fulfillment. Then I want to be ready to roll. If I believe that God's about to do something. If I believe that God's got a plan for my life and he's talking about fulfilling it, if I believe that God's got a plan for our church and he's talking about fulfilling it, then I want to be ready. I want to be an optimal performance mode. 
Jordan, I'm going to pick on you for a moment. Please don't perceive this as a bad thing. There's an analogy that's been going through my mind and my heart as I've been praying about the beginning of this year. And as simple as I can say, before we accomplish the purposes of God, I think a lot of us are going to have to just reset the processor. Jordan is in technology. He's in computers and all that stuff. I'll say he's got the easiest job because I'm guessing about 80% of technology problems can be solved by just hitting reset. I mean, seriously. I'm just, you know, I mean, that's the reality. You call a helpline because you're having a problem. What's the first thing they tell you to do? Shut the machine down and start it up again. Why? Why? You know, last year, it was, a, it was an interesting year. Maybe for some of us it's been going on more than last year. But, but what happens in our lives, and this is the way my brain works, I'm looking at my life as a computer, as an iPad. I've got all these applications that are functioning in the background. So we start the year and we got political turmoil and I got the application going. And then we got all these riots and confusion and I got that application going. And then we've got this pandemic and I've got that application going. And then we've got these other things happening in the election and, and I got that application going again. And then I got my own personal things. I got some problems financially or some issues that I've walked through at home and I've got that application going again. I'm a parent and my kids struggling in school, so I got that application going again. I've got responsibilities and I've got that application going again. You know, Sunday mornings are funny. After church, typically we stick around here for a while and my kids get my iPad. And when my kids get my iPad, they, they click on every application possible and open them all up. What happens when there's too many applications going? Our processors don't work very well. Our processors aren't functioning well. And I believe that God is, is talking to his church. I believe that, that, that in the moment that we're living, before, before we see God's fulfillment, we're just going to have to reset. Why I talk about fasting first? Because fasting begins to show me some of those applications that need to be shut down. Fasting helps me see some of the areas where my life is being bogged down. Some of those areas where, 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 where things are functioning on top of each other and I can't just quite get them to work appropriately. It's time for us to hit the reset button. It's time for us to shut down and restart. Why do I love that? Because then I can choose what to engage. Once I shut down all the apps, I get to decide what program's going to run right now. I get to decide which ones I think are important, which ones that I want to see functioning, which ones are going to be valuable to me and the work that is set before me. I'm going to pray, Father, I thank you this morning for this word. And I pray for our hearts and our minds, our ears, this day that we can receive the very word of God. God, I believe 
that, that there's exciting things coming. I believe, God, there's plans and purposes that you're fulfilling. But, God, I, I desire you help us as your body to reset. This morning, as we look at this word, I pray you speak to our hearts. I pray that the distractions would be removed. For myself, as a pastor, I yield myself to you. I yield the thoughts, the ideas that I have and ask for your very will to be accomplished. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week I started with, with two verses in the service. The first one's in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. It says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. In that verse, somewhere around forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I see a reset. That's really what I see that verse is communicating. Forgetting what was, I'm shutting all that stuff down. Straining toward what is ahead. Now I choose what to apply. I press on to take hold of that, the purpose, the fulfillment that God has for me in Christ Jesus. That to me is the reset moment. Today I want to look at at a reset of our hearts. It's an eternal reset that I want to talk about. Hebrews chapter 12. We read this verse last week as well. It says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, look at someone today and say, you're great. That's what the word of God says. My wife was only looking at me and she laughed once again. Thank you. I can finish now. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race Marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I believe these verses in Hebrew chapter 12 help us see one thing that we must reset in our lives. One thing that every one of us must take a moment to see, to recognize, to be honest about. We're surrounded by such a great cloud. Everybody here is great. So let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that's so easily entangled. Sin's real. Sin is something that you and I better be intentional about. I believe the product of fasting is the revelation of sin in my life. I believe that when I fast, God begins to show me areas where I'm not lining up with His wills, with, with His will, areas where I've separated myself from the will of God, areas where I've allowed self to stand in the way of my relationship with Him. And so if I'm going to reset, I have to be honest about what's happening 
in me. I'm not talking about someone else's sin today. I'm not talking about you sitting here thinking, boy, I'm glad so-and-so is here this morning because this is the message they need to hear. I'm talking about your life and your reset. Because, because the scripture is clear, we're all in this boat together. Brent pointed out in our, son, in our, in our Bible study on Thursday, last week we preached in Isaiah uh, 58. Isaiah 58 is called true fasting. I said often, or my understanding, the, the product of fasting is the revelation of sin in my life. Brent pointed out Isaiah 59. Do you know what that chapter is called in my Bible? Sin, confession, and redemption. When we begin to fast, God begins to reveal sin. Isaiah was a prophet. He prophesied about true fasting and the product of true fasting. The next chapter is titled Sin, Confession, and and Redemption. As I begin to walk closer to God, I begin to see more areas of my life that need to be changed. And when I'm talking about sin, I'm not necessarily talking about the big sins. We read in Bible, you know, like, I'm not murdering anybody, I'm good. I haven't cheated on my wife, I'm okay. I'm talking about the stuff in your life that separates you from God. I'm talking about the things in your life that are more important to you than serving God. Those things in you that cause your relationship, that cause your processor, that cause problems in you with what God wants you to do. Sin is any place where you serve yourself more than you're serving your Savior. It says, since the beginning of man, we've all struggled with sin. Right? We all look at someone else and say, how'd you screw up? Adam and Eve had the greatest, right? I mean, all they had was one rule. It's the reality of Scripture. Sin has been a problem for mankind from the very beginning of time. Romans chapter 3. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. For what? For what? Who's all? Sin's a man problem. Can we be honest? I mean, I think some ways like sin's become a three-letter word like sex that we can't say in church. Sin is a, it's a real problem. It's something that we don't talk about because we're ashamed or, or whatever. We're afraid of judgment. We're afraid of other things. But the reality is, let's just be honest, we all struggle with this thing called sin. You want to know what slows down my processor more than anything else? It's sin. I was thinking in my mind, you know how when you add and take away programs on your computer, sorry, I'm going back to the program analogy. Every once in a while you've got to run a disk defragmenter. It's taking all those parts of memory that you took away, you call separation, and putting them all back in line so this thing functions well. Some of you are tracking with me, others are like, I don't know what you're talking about, Patrick, get back to talking about sin. Okay. Sin is a problem. It's a problem that we've all struggled with. It's a problem that we all struggle with. 
It's a problem that is real that sometimes, for whatever reason, I believe it's the enemy. He causes us to feel uh, condemnation. He causes us to feel guilt that we don't talk about it. We don't say it. We don't share it because, hey, what's, what's someone else going to think about me? They're going to say that I'm not good enough. They're going to say this or that. No, the reality is we've all struggled. We all struggle with sin. We've all got some applications running on our computer we don't want anyone to see right now. You hear what I'm saying? We're not alone in this. And we can't walk through this alone. We've got to understand that, that this is a problem for all of us. We can't be ashamed of, uh, of acknowledging or opening that window up so we can shut it down. We've got to shut down that window that causes sin in our life. There's an effect for sin. What does the Bible tell us the, the effect of sin is? Huh? That's eternal death. We're not just talking about a temporary death. The effect of sin is death. And for some reason, we've become okay with the application of sin running in our life. The reality is your sin, my sin, is robbing me from the life, the abundant life that Christ wants me to live in. A life that's so much better than the application that continues to run, yet we allow it to go forever and ever. Why? Maybe we don't know what to do. What was Jesus Christ's first message? We talked about it last week. Matthew chapter 4. When Jesus began his public ministry, I think it's at about verse 17, he preached, repent and be baptized. He said, repent for the kingdom of God is near. Isaiah chapter 59, I talked about this chapter. Verses 1 and 2 says, Listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is ear too deaf to hear you call. It's your sins that have cut you off from God. What have your sins done? They've cut you off from God. I don't want to be there. I don't want to live there. I don't want... To, uh, to be okay with being cut off from God. Your sins have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, He has turned away and will not listen anymore. Romans chapter 6, we just talked about this one. But now you've been set free from sin and become slaves to God. The benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. Why? Because the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Do you want to know what sin does in your life? It cuts you off from God and results in death. Let's talk about sin, baby. Let's talk about you and me. All of the good things and the bad things that can be. Let's talk about sin. Some of you are laughing because you know what I'm doing. Some of you are like, what is it? That wasn't even in my notes. That was the Spirit of God. He causes some to prophesy. He causes some to sing. 
Wow. I better look at my notes. We started with fasting because I believe that fasting begins to reveal sin. And then we're left in a point of what do I do when God begins to reveal sin? Isaiah chapter 59, we see that they've begun to recognize the things that they're doing. Our offenses are mighty in your sight. Our sins testify against us. Our offenses are ever with us. And we acknowledge our iniquities, rebellion and treachery against the Lord, turning our backs on God, inciting revolt and oppression, uttering lies our hearts have conceived. So justice is driven back and righteousness stands at a distance. Truth has stumbled in the streets. Honesty cannot enter. Truth is nowhere to be found. And whoever shuns evil becomes a prey. Some of us, we get to the moment where the Holy Spirit, where God begins to reveal our offenses. They saw. It said in Isaiah 58, they were true fasting. Then in Isaiah 59, they begin to see their sin. What happens when I see my sin? What do I do when I begin to see the sin in my life? Tangent that is in my notes. God's grace is not a license to sin. God's grace is a license to be forgiven for sin. There's a lot of people that continue in sin because of the grace of God. They feel like the grace of God gives them a freedom to continue in sin. That's Galatians chapter, or Romans chapter 6 verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means we are, are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? The grace of God is that God will continue to forgive you time and time and time and time and time and time and time again. What? When we repent and we confess. God's grace is that He will forgive you for your mistakes. God's grace is not so you can say, hey, I can stay in this moment. I can leave this application running because God's always going to forgive me. Why am I saying that? Because I've experienced that in ministry where people say, hey, I can continue. I can keep on going. I think we justify, we, we, we allow ourselves to function. We say we're functioning in the grace of God. I don't want to abuse His grace. I read something that said, grace apart from the cross isn't really any good. You have to have the cross with the grace of God. That's the license for forgiveness. That's what allows you to be forgiven because of Jesus Christ and the blood that He shed. You take grace apart from the cross, that allows you to continue to feed yourself and do what you want. That's not the object of grace that God designed. Sorry, that was a tangent. It might have been for someone. So I said, Jesus, when He started His ministry, He began to preach. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent. I added the amplified version. That means change your inner self, your old way of thinking, regret past sins, live your life in a way that proves repentance, seeks God's purpose for your life, for the kingdom of heaven is near. We need to live in repentance. Repentance if you're tracking with my computer analogy, is not just opening another window. 
Repentance is not just putting that thing in the background. That's just dangerous. Because that's putting it in the dark. You're hiding it from others. Repentance, it says, is changing your inner self, your old way of of thinking, regretting your sins, living in a way that proves repentance. That's what God desires. Proverbs chapter 28 says, whoever conceals their sin does not prosper. That's letting it run in the background. But the one who confesses and shut it down. Turn it off. Who confesses and renounces them Finds mercy. So, so we have to repent and we have to confess. First John chapter 1. This is the grace of God. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that we're a part of. That's the, what God wants for you is the fullness of forgiveness when we confess. That's acknowledging what is there. Man. We were picking on bald guys this morning. I look in the mirror long enough, I had to confess what's happening. I can deny that reality and I can just turn off the lights in the bathroom and never look in that mirror again. And I can say, I got that full head of hair I had when I was a college kid. Oh, that's foolish, huh? What about when I fast and God reveals and I just shut it off in the background? What about when I'm in church and God begins to speak to me about, about an area in my life? And, and yeah, I see it and I know it. But man, no one else saw that. No one else knows that. I'm just going to shut it down and let it go. I will tell you, that results in death. We will not... Achieve. We cannot achieve God's fulfillment if we're going to be complacent with the sin in our life. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I believe God's calling the church to recess. I believe in order for us to recess, we have to access the grace of God, the understanding of of who God is. We have to acknowledge as God reveals the sin that is in our life. That's the stuff that separates us from Him. And when we see that, we can't be okay without doing something about it. We can't be okay with just letting it run in the background, because I can promise at some point you're going to push the wrong button and the wrong window is going to come on your screen and you're going to walk right back down that same rabbit hole that you've gone down a thousand times because you didn't shut it down. I can promise the enemy is going to want to keep it going in the background. He's going to want to keep it functioning in the background. But you and I, we have an opportunity to confess and repent, to confess, acknowledge what is there and repent Renounce. I say this. I love this. Because when we talk about sin, there's always guilt. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
The enemy wants to tell you that you're wrong for your sin. The enemy wants to judge you, to define you by your sin. The enemy wants to say that you screwed up once again, that this is another opportunity where God is just smacking you in the face, highlighting all your problems. That's the reality. The promise is there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's the grace of God. Because when I confess and when I repent, God is faithful to forgive. When I confess my sin to Him, He comes to me with open arms. When I renounce that stuff that's separated from me, from Him, He's excited about us being together again. Because through Christ, the law, Jesus, through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. I'm not condemned because I am forgiven. Now, I can talk about sin, but I want to make sure to quantify it with this. You are not, unless you allow yourself, defined by your sin. I'm going to say that again. Unless you allow yourself, you are not defined by your sin. Because, see, this verse talks about the law of the Spirit, not the law of the sin. Once we were quantified by our sin... Once we were known by our sin. That was the scarlet letter A. That was the name they put upon us. You are not defined by your sin. I don't care what it is. I don't care where you've been. I don't care how many applications are going in your life. You are not defined by your sin. You are not condemned by your sin. If you confess and repent. You guys can come forward. If you're going to sing, turn your mic on this time, Walt. You're not defined by your sins, though. I'm excited about what God's doing. I'm excited about what God has in store. I'm excited about those purposes that He's spoken to you. Those plans that He's revealed to your heart. And I believe that that in order for us to obtain all that God has, we have to be in optimal functioning position. In order to do that, we have to be real about sin. We have to be honest with ourselves. We have to be honest with, with God about the areas of our life. So I'm going to have them sing a chorus here in, in, in just a moment. And while they're singing, I just, I'm going to pray for the Spirit of God to begin or continue to speak to you. Maybe this week God has highlighted some areas in you. Maybe as we were talking, you knew exactly what this was about. You knew why God brought you here this morning. You knew that you needed to hear this message, but you didn't want to hear it. And you've been telling him all morning, see, I told you I shouldn't have come to church. There's power in confessing and repenting from our sin. Father, this morning I pray across this room. I pray for those of us who are here, God, that once again you help us to see. God, we desire, the expressed desire in this room is is to do your will, to accomplish your very purposes. And God, the things that hinder, the things that, that, that cause us to, to, to in, be entangled, the sin in our lives that prevent us from fully accomplishing your will, God, I ask that you would reveal that to us. 
Some of us in this room may still be living under the law of sin. Sometimes we might still be in that place where we've allowed ourselves to be defined by sin. If you've allowed your sin to define you, I want to tell you about Jesus Christ and his love for you. God, I pray that that anyone in this room who doesn't know you and your love, who have allowed sin to be what defines them, they recognize that they are forgiven by Jesus Christ. Your word was, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. Jesus, my word this day is, we need to repent, for the kingdom of God is near. Continue to speak. Continue to guide. Continue to direct. In Jesus' name. they sing, listen. As God speaks, respond. If God speaks and you don't know what to do with what He's saying, find someone you trust and let them come alongside of you. Because God's got some great things. I'll reiterate 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. As God begins to reveal, if, if He's spoken to your heart, you confess. And God is faithful. He will forgive. God is faithful. He will bring forgiveness in your life. And when you experience forgiveness, you've been purified. You've been made whole. You've been made complete. Those things that you tried to do, that you kept bogging down on, those areas that you couldn't process, suddenly you can process them because of who God has made you in Jesus Christ. Confess. Shut it down. Renounce it. And become who God's called you to be. Be the one God desires you to be. We're going to continue in worship. I'll I'll open up the altars. If you want to spend some time in prayer at the altars, you can do that. Uh, I just want to encourage you, if you need someone to pray with you for a, a situation or circumstance in your life, I'm here to pray with you. If you want to go because you had a moment with God and you've been set free and you feel great today, please feel free to go. I'm going to do my blessing. We're going to keep the sanctuary as a sanctuary. If you'd like to visit, just walk out in the foyer. The Lord bless you and keep you. May he make His face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May He turn His face towards you and grant you His peace. Peace that comes because you've been forgiven. Peace that is because you've confessed and repented for the sin that's in your life. Peace that comes knowing because God's got something great for your tomorrow. Amen? Be blessed.